Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to another edition of Two Cups of Tea. I'm Chris Heath and today I'm in Stotford, just down the road from Biggleswade. And with the help of a large part of tea and some biscuits, I'm about to hear the life story of another old legend in his golden years. Here's a few tidbits to reel you in. I grew wings and in my mind. I went up into the air like Superman. Oh, my God. We used to put our skates on. We used to get behind the car and hang on to the bumper. I played hooky for 60 days straight. Put you in a room, and in that room you see a snake. They turn the light out in that room, and they take the snake out. And the kids, they liked it so much that they used to call me Mr. Munchkin. Now, as you'll have just heard, I had a slight issue with the microphone, so it's not the crispest recording you've ever heard in your life. But Felix Cosme's story is so fascinating that I figured we just grin and bear it this time. Here comes the theme tune. Born in in, uh, in the hospital in San Juan, Puerto Rico. What what year was that? Nineteen thirty four. Nineteen thirty four. Well, I must say you're looking good on that. If it's nineteen thirty four, my God. I'm eighty three. Eighty three. Yeah. Anyway, I'll stop flirting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so whereabouts in San Juan? So it was in a, in a hospital in San Juan. Yeah, and I grew up uh, for the first five years of my life in a place called Puente Tierra. What does that mean? Vuelta mm. means vuelta means door. Yeah. Tierra means dirt. The the dirt door. That's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> That's what? the way I understood it. Yeah. Vuelta tierra. Yeah. Yeah. What are your memories of those uh, those well, first few years? Yeah. Well, my father died when I was nine months old. Uh, he was uh, he died when he was, he was in the navy. And he came out of the Navy, and he was a plumber. Yeah. And he uh, married my mother when she was 21, and he was 41. Then he passed away nine months later. Could you remember how? What was, what was he had a heart attack. Oh, wow. He had a heart attack. He passed away. And we stayed in Puerto Rico, my mother, myself, and my grandmother, until I was five. And she decided that she wanted to go to New York and live with her sister. That's a big move. So she came and lived with her sister in New York, 114th Street. Mm. And uh, it was a a 
bit of a shock coming to New York in, in the winter time. Oh, is that when you moved the winter? Yes. Yeah. Well, from Puerto Rico to, yeah. to New York in winter. And the thing about it was she she had passage. She was going to get passage on on a ship. I think the name of the ship was called uh, El Borinque. Mm. And Borinque is, I uh, can't remember all that well. Mm. It, uh, it got uh, torpedoed uh, during the war. So we was lucky. I started out a lucky life. Yeah. And we came came to New York, lived with my my mother's sister, and then she got a job. Mm. And um, I went to school uh, within about a block away, which was which was lucky. And she saved enough money to uh, get an apartment mm. of her own about uh, on a hundred and 14th Street, uh, between Madison Avenue and Park Avenue, not wow. too far from where she, my, my, my sister lived. See, when I hear Madison Avenue and Park Avenue, I, I that seems that sounds like the well-to-do area of New York. That's further. That's further downtown. Yeah. This was uptown. This was in Spanish, what they call Spanish Harlem. Spanish Harlem. Yeah. Now I know Spanish Harlem because yeah. of the song. Yeah. So what was it like? It was uh, for you when for you me, first arrived. It was, uh, um, my hands were frozen. Of course, because of the winter, with, yeah. With the snow, and I played with the little kids there. And um, I went in crying with my hands were frozen, and my mother straight away, the, the natural thing is to put put your hands in hot water because yeah. it, would, it would throw it out. And her sister said, no, you put it in cold water, you know, because it would be less painful. Yeah. And then... Um, I went to school, and then, um, which was wasn't too far. I used to I used to hate, I used to hate uh, going into school because I I'd always been with my mother mm. all the time, and my mother would keep me in uh, company. She used to uh, have she liked movie stars. Yeah, and she was a young lady, and she used to cut out movie stars and stuff and put them in an album. So I used to do the same thing with little dolls. I used to cut them up and paste them on cardboard. Yeah. I used to put dresses and stuff and trousers on them. Oh, like the little cutout ones. Yes, where yeah. So you, so it's the it's like the the, the the back of them has a little little piece that you just the fold over tabs. Fold over yeah, know, I've seen those. Like and then I uh, I used to play in in the, in the garden in Puerto Rico, and I used to take uh, my belt. Yeah. And I used to fold the belt in half. And I used to swing it around, and the belt would go, and my mother said, don't do that, yeah, because you're calling, you're calling the devil. <laughs> so I stopped doing it. Wow, I think, really? I think she was afraid that I would hit, the belt would hit my face or my eyes. Yes, or right. Okay, kid, that makes so, more sense. So I stopped doing that. So. Yes, yeah, ah, that's it. So it's less superstition and more just wanting to you know, make that's sure you it. don't put an eye out. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I. Um, so what was the so what was the neighborhood like that you moved into Spanish Harlem? It was it was a tough neighborhood, but it, it was it wasn't as tough as as other neighborhoods. Mm. It was a lot of uh, uh, smoking of marijuana. Yeah. Uh, drinking of wine, uh, which uh, I never smoked marijuana. Mm. Never. I only I got a taste of it once when I was I think I was about thirteen fourteen, where this. 
I started smoking mm. on the QT, you know, that's what my mother would have seen. Yeah. Um, and this guy wanted a cigarette, so I gave him a cigarette, and I said, whatever you do, there's a thing you call, it's called a roach. Yes. It's the end of the marijuana, you put it into a cigarette. Yeah. And you can then finish the whole marijuana. Yeah. Right? And I said, make sure all the smoke is out of it, you know. So I gave him the cigarette. And we play stickball. Yeah. On the, on, right on the street. And I played center field, which is out in the avenue, more or less. Yeah. So some, when you say center field, this is you're playing in the street in, yeah. Yeah, in, in where it's up Madison Avenue. You're Madison playing. Avenue, yeah. So, so while the cars were going back yes, and forth? Yes, yeah, yeah. When someone hit the ball, and they hit a fly ball, and I would look left, look right, say, then I would go into the center <laughs> of Madison Avenue and catch the ball. If if it was a grounder and it came too fast for the, for the, for the infield to grab it, yeah. it would come out. I look left, look right, and then I would stand in the way and I'd catch, grab it. When this chap smoked, the cigarette, yeah, and he put the roach in in the cigarette, yeah. Then he finished it, and he wanted to give me a puff from the cigarette, yeah. I took a puff from the cigarette, but the smoke from the marijuana was in it, and it affected right. me a bit. So when they hit the ball, yeah, you won't believe this. I grew wings, and in my mind, <laughs> I went up into the air like Superman. Oh you know, my God! Yeah, was, that's the only time that that. Stuff ever entered my system. Yeah, uh, and um, we had a building. the The sewer, the sewer was home plate. Then about, uh, I'd say about twelve, maybe fifteen feet, going towards uh, Madison Avenue. Yeah, on the on the side, about fifteen feet from home base, was uh, first base. Yeah, and then on the corner of Madison Avenue. Right? Yeah. So on the corner of 114th Street, mm. which is another sewer, that would be second base. And then you come back down, across from, from first base is third base. And then you go from third base back to the sewer where home base is, right? And on the left, on the corner, was the entrance to the fire station. So no cars would, would be able to, to park in front of the entrance of the, the fire station or across from the fire station. So we always had free, like it was a field, but it's out in the street. So that's why you picked there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And across the street in Madison Avenue, there was a five-story tall building. It yeah. seemed higher than five stories. If you hit the ball and it went into that roof, that was an automatic home run. So that's the sweet spot you always aim for. Everybody wanted to hit the ball there. And Did you ever get one? When I was sixteen, I hit the ball there. Yeah, it was. It was. A, I can see a the look in your eyes. You're still happy. You're still pleased with that yeah, now. It was a delight. It was. Yeah. <laughs> and um, down, coming down in, in Park Avenue from from 112th Street all the way down to 110. 10th Street, if mm. I'm not mistaken, on Park Avenue, there is like, looks like a like a train, and what that is, it's it's a it's a uh, like a building made like a train, like, and it's the market, 
Oh, okay. There's, there's, there's stores in there where they sell vegetables, they sell uh, clothing. So it looks like train compartments. That's it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It's all the way down. In fact, I used to work at a, a bakery there mm. um, after school and during the summer as well. So going back to stickball quickly, yeah. so you were how old when you started? Well, so you, you, did you play that? Was that one of the things you did when you were a bit older? Or? Yeah, I could play... Um, you started playing it when you were about, I guess, when I was about 13, 13, 14. Sure, so you, 10, yeah. so you must, that must have been into the 40s then. So that must have been during the war you were playing stickball. Yes, yeah. yeah. And um, we used to have one guy, um, he was so good that he tried out for the New York Yankees. Wow. But he never, they wouldn't, he wasn't good enough. No. But he was still, but he, he was, was he amazing. Was, but he was not. outstanding, this guy. He that was, shows you how He good. was one of the big guys. Yeah. That's what we call him. One of the big guys is between 19 and 25 years old. Uh, so it was a huge range of everyone in the right. neighborhood used to yeah. play stickball. Yeah, and you would So play, they were quite big games. Yeah. You would play uh, 114th Street. Yeah. We was called the uh, home, I think we was called the home league. Yeah. Because in those days, if... Welfare, mm. that's home relief. And we called our team oh, okay. the home relief. Oh, because you guys are on the welfare, yes, so yeah. yeah. Not I, but, but yeah. other other people. My yeah, mother yeah. never believed in, in in having other people support her. So she worked uh, she worked she worked part time and also brought piecework. You bring the work home. Yeah. And you work in the kitchen, all the family be working doing uh, like scarves yeah. and all that. I've got a, such a great image of you guys all playing out stickball on the streets. It's like the stuff I've seen in the movies, you know, but everyone playing out on the street in the 40s in New York. Um, in the summer, I've got to ask this because I know there'll be people who are the same age as me who wonder if it's just something from the movies or if it's true. Did you switch on the fire hydrants so they were, yes. they were out on the street? How did you do that? You take um, um, like a piece of, piece of wood, like could be about say eighteen inches or maybe twelve to eighteen so inches. So there was long. a special way of. So you weren't supposed to turn them on. No, no. And you have a, a a thick wire, and somehow with a hammer or heavy stick, put the wire where where the bolt the nut is yeah. on the top of the hydrant. Yeah. And turn it. That would allow the water to come out. And then you turn it. The more you turn it, the more the pressure comes out. And then to make it look like a shower, yeah, come up high, you put a uh, uh, a case like where the the milk bottles yeah. come in. They deliver the milk bottles. Grab have one of those, put it over the opening of the where the water comes out of, and that makes it into like a like a nozzle. And, and so you police, did you did that in the summer to cool down and just used to yes yeah. And the police would come and turn it off. Oh, would they? Yeah. Well, like the beat cops. Yes, yeah. We always used to have a police officer come by. Yeah. And as soon as the police officer came by, um, we used to, uh, when we were playing ball, we used to hide the, the stick. The bat was a broom, brooms, broom handle yeah. with all the straw taken out. And uh, he used to come down with twirling his baton and everything. And so they really did that too, all about yes, you know, yeah, all the truncheon yeah, twirling. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's amazing. It wasn't just in the movies. Is that's the thing? I mean, I suppose it had to come from somewhere, but because 
that's where I've always seen it. And There's a part of you thinks, was it real or is that just an invention? And the movie, uh, West Side Story, mm. that took place on 111th Street. Yeah. And and the, guy, I don't, the guys that were, can't hardly remember, it was long, long ago I saw the movie. Um, they, that was a team there on 100, 111th Street. This was a big guy. And this one guy that, that tried out for the New York Yankees, he come from 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 that neighborhood. Oh, really? He played ball in in our street because we had we don't call ourselves the little guys, but I can say it now. We were the, the little guys, and you had nineteen to twenty five year olds. They had their own team, and he used to play with them as well. So when you were a kid, yeah. were you like you know, was, were you tough? I was, I was you... always I was because uh, I was very I was very slender. Yeah, very slender, very slim. And I was exercising all the time. I used to love to swim. Mm. Where did you swim? Um, we used to we used to go swimming. At, I think it was 155th Street swimming bars called High Bridge, and um, we used to either hitch on the bus, get on top of the bus, uh, on the back of the bus, or a lorry, and get there. Or we used to put our skates on and uh, do the same thing. But just hang on to the bus, or so you used to tow. You used to get yes. towed by. Did they know you were on the back of the of the? So I'm I'm sure they probably seen it. You know? <laughs> and um, I used to, we used to get sometimes we felt brave and it, it wasn't really a lot a lot of traffic on Madison Avenue. We used to get behind a car and hang on to the bumper of the car, crouch down, right, and go as far as we could. Yeah. On that particular vehicle, and then just reach over and and, and hang on to the other one. And switch cars in mid. Oh and we used to God. we used to bet who can get to 125th Street the fastest. Wow! And I used to say, I hope my mother's friends or my mother doesn't see me. Can you ima- what would you can you imagine that if was you stupid? That yeah, was yeah. Stupid. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can say that now. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I can say that now. It was really something. That's how we do it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the only bad things I used to do. Well, that's you know what? That's not too bad. And they used to have peanut, uh, containers of peanut. You put uh, a nickel, five cents, mm. You the peanuts would come out. Oh, I know. I know what you're saying, yeah. And you get a, almost a handful. And yeah. When you go to the movies, you can... Yeah, there's like a little row of the dispensers. Yes, yeah, you put yeah. the, you know, and then you turn the dial yeah. and then you then you got to hold out your hands and whatever. Yeah, we, yeah. You take... The way to cheat that is you take your one of your you mother's one of your, one of your mother's bobby pin. You take one of your mother's bobby pins. Yeah. And you turn, you straighten it out. Take the end of it, the size of a of a, of a nickel. Yeah. I think it was a five cents piece. <laughs> and then just stick it into the slot. Yeah. And then just turn the the, the handle and yeah. you get his. I used to get pockets full. We used to get so many of them that when we was in the theater, we used to. Throw it up in the air and it would hit people in the head. <laughs> Did your mum ever find out that you were stealing all her bobby pins? No. <laughs> no. What were you like at, at at school? Did you enjoy school? I I, I hated school, uh, especially math. Mm. Uh, I, I went to a school by the name of uh, James Fenimore Cooper. Oh right, yeah. The school was five. Five to six blocks away from us on Madison Avenue, and 
they're, they're saying of the school, they had a sign in the entrance that said, the truth will set you free. James Fenimore Cooper, 100, was the PS120. James Fenimore Cooper. I think that's the last time a Hicken's guy, isn't it? James yes, Fenimore, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I used to walk there because I couldn't, I couldn't carry my books and hitch, mm. hitch a ride at the same time. So um, I hated, I hated algebra when I was much older. Trigonometry, I just didn't like it at all. So mm. I, I played hooky, which is I just didn't go to school. Yeah. Uh, for sixty days straight. Oh my god! And uh, I got away with it up to a point that I used to, when I went into school, I used to forge my mother's handwriting. Yeah. I should have taken that up as a profession because <laughs> I got away with it up to a point. I can imagine you in like a kiosk full of like bobby pins and yeah. the wire to turn yeah. on fire hydrants and yeah. counterfeiting. Yeah. You could have just set up a little business there, just yeah. ways to cheat everything. And I got <laughs> caught. I got we got caught one day because I used to go with three of my friends. Oh, is that what you did when you were playing? What did you do? Yeah. So what did you do when you weren't at school? Then? Well, we'd go to a park. Mm. Uh, Central Park, it starts at 100 and goes all the way down to 99th Street. And we'd play, we'd play um, a football, mm. American football. We, we picked up a guy who was also away from school. And this guy was much more, he knew more of the world than we did. He mm. was much older. And a little boy was walking, uh, about 10 years old, walking in the park. And this guy decided he wanted to hold him up. And he says to him, empty out your pockets. And I said, leave the guy alone, man. He's not bothering anybody. So this is one of the guys you're with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, he emptied his pockets in a, in a uh, jackknife, mm. pocket knife fell out. And the park attendant seen us, so he knew that we, was, we was, should have been in school. And he called the police. And all this little boy had, like maybe, you know, pennies. And the police came, and everybody ran. And I ran as well. And I have, uh, I still have that reputation that I was the slowest runner in the world. <laughs> Everybody ran faster than me. Uh-oh. Even a baby would crawl faster. Oh, no, no, yeah. And uh, police, police come with the car. Yeah. They caught me. He says, what's your name, boy? And he just slapped me in the face. Mm. And I told him straight away, Felix Cosme, 173 East, 114th Street. And he took some notes, took me to a nearby school. and. Uh, I confessed everything that I was, what I was in the school, blah, 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 and everything. And he read the riot act to me, turned me loose, and I walked home shaking. Mm. Two weeks later, this detective knocked on the door on a Saturday. And my mother's childhood friend always came on Saturday with her husband and her two, her two boys. So it was a full house? Yes. And were you home too? Yes, I was, I was uh, cooking. And the cop opened the door. My Cheeto opened the door. That's my mother, my mother's child friend's husband. Cheeto. Yeah. His name was uh, John Chevalier, but everyone called him Cheeto. And uh, Felix Cosby lived here. They said yes. And he said, Oh, God. He saw him come in and he told my mother, Your son hasn't been in school for 60 days. He, she was shocked that I, uh, how did I, how did I get away? Why didn't the teacher? Yeah. notify her that I hadn't been going to school. Mm. Chito, uh, he 
he told my mother that what I need is, or what she needs, is to have a man in house. Uh, if you can't do that, then send him to Brooklyn to live with, with me and the boys. And he promised her that he was going to bring me up straight as a die. And, uh, and when I was 16, I, I went to live with, in Brooklyn with them in a place called Red Hook. Red Hook. Red Hook. It's, uh, so well, that's when you were 16, so that was 1950. Yes. Yeah. And it was a place where uh, they didn't own their own home. They lived in, in an apartment in high-rise. Yeah. They call them the projects. And there, there was, it was a neighborhood with not a lot of Puerto Ricans, very few Puerto Ricans there, or, or black Americans. Yeah. It was mainly Irish and Italian. Wow, okay. And they were tougher than the area I came from. Yeah. Because we played, we played football on the street, and instead of tackling, we used touch football. They, they, yeah. they touch you in the back. And then that's a tackle, and you let yeah. the ball go, yeah. And they, in Red Hook, they played the same thing, except they did it with two-hand tag. Right. And when they, <laughs> when they tackle you with two-hand tag, yeah. they want to... On your back, they would not try to knock your heart out from the socket. <laughs> That's the way it was. <laughs> I stayed there in their house for, I think, two semesters, about nine months almost a year. And did it work? It did work. <laughs> Most of my family members were either detectives or friends were detectives yeah. and, and merchant seamen. Mm. Um, I want I want to be one or the other. Yeah. And my, I, when I told my mother that then that I wanted to be a police officer, she she almost had a heart attack. Oh really? So, so, so that was a no. No. So I joined I joined the navy. Well, was that better or worse? What did she think of that? Oh, she was it was she didn't mind that. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, she didn't mind it. She didn't. She wasn't too. Too pleased with, with the merchant seamen that, that used to come to our house. Yeah. Because they used to say things that uh, I don't dare tell you now <laughs> by the microphone what they used to say. <laughs> How to remove pimples from your face. <laughs> so they had, what was it, let's just say colorful language. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I joined, I, I, joined, I joined the Navy when I was 18. So how long were you with the Navy for? I was in the Navy for 20 years. Wow. I just did what I had to do. Yeah. yeah. So what year was this? You were 18 was, uh, to I early 50s. I joined 1953. Yeah. And I retired in uh, 1972. And the whole, my my whole uh, career, I was on six six different ships and one year in, in, in uh, July, Vietnam. I was going to say, 1972, that must have, you must have seen action of Vietnam. Yeah. It was 125 of us uh, going to Viet to go uh, to uh, counterinsurgency training. So we went to counterinsurgency training for two weeks, and we, uh, we went through all sorts of training. Uh, like they give you uh, a message to give to, to go from point A to point B yeah. with this message. And you're supposed to give it to the person in charge at point B, and you never get to point B. You get you get uh, you get captured, right? Okay. Supposedly by the enemy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they 
they they do all sorts of things to you. They put you in a in a in a, a, car, a locker. So it's almost in like six, preparing you for torture. Yeah, in a six foot locker. And um, you don't know about it, but it has holes in it. Right. And they put a hose, a fire fire hose. Right? Yeah. To fill you with water. Oh my god. But there's holes in the locker. And they ask you questions about your message that you have. This is what they did to us. Oh my god. I don't know what they were supposed to do it, but that's what they did. And they they put uh, it never, it never reaches, never, yeah, never you, reaches you, your head. But you don't know. Yeah, but you don't know that. You don't know it's not going to reach you know, your head. You, you just know, know it's covering you, and it also oh put you God. in, put you in a room. Yeah. And in that room, you see a snake. And well, that, just that would, at that point, that's yeah. when I would lose it. And then um, they turn the light out in that room, and they take the snake out, and they put a hose pipe. Yeah. Which is uh, say a five inch hose. Yeah. And they they tie your hands up. They close the door. And it's pitch black in there. And this this line or this rope is is going over your legs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. Anyway, very few of us made it. Yeah. Uh, I was one that made it, and now um, spent uh, spent. I spent a month in in Denang and eleven months in uh, in Chula. Wow! And, and out of those eleven months, I spent uh, one five days in uh, Singapore on what they call R and R. Yeah. Well, that was good. R and R. Yeah. It's called, but we called it. <laughs> yeah. Leg and leg and liquor. L and L. Well, do you know what? It sounds like you deserved it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When I left Vietnam, I got ordered to England. Yeah. If you want the best, you go to England. Is that something you've always been interested in, yes, dogs? Yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've always 
As a youngster, I always wanted a German Shepherd because yeah. of the ring tin tin sort of uh, yeah. movie. Gotcha. And uh, he was walking on the street with, uh, with, the, with the German Shepherd, and this one man who owned a store of uh, sweets and dog biscuits and stuff like that saw it. He ran out and looked at it and said, Oh, it's a looking dog out there. And then I said, Oh, that was my dog. So we got friendly, I got friendly with him, yeah. and he was a trainer. Hmm. Um, and where's this? Where are we now? This was in High Wickham. Yeah. High Wickham, England. I got very friendly with him. And then I, I joined, instead of doing obedience, Yeah. I joined a, a, a club that trained you how to show dogs. And then I showed uh, I showed this this uh, German Shepherd bitch. And when you say you showed her, you mean you, does that mean you I took her to dog shows. You presented her at a dog yes. show. You're, you're the one that walks alongside. Yes. Yeah. yeah I presented I'd go on a Wednesday, I'd go to the training classes and they showed me how to how to present the German Shepherd yeah. or how to present a dog to the judge. Is that, an, is that a hard skill to learn, how to show a dog? It, it, it's not that hard, uh, but it, it doesn't come easy. You have to, you have to like to do it. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta have rhythm. Right. You gotta, gotta have some sort of rhythm. Because it's 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 between you and the dog is one, yeah. more, more or less, right? And you have to concentrate on each other. Yeah, obedience is is, is different. So, did you find success doing that as a <clears throat> showing dog? At first, I didn't. I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd have, I'd get a third, or I'd get a second, or I'd get a, a fifth. Uh, but the, the more I did it, and the, the more I was with the uh, professional handlers, yeah. British professional handlers, the more I learned. And then uh, I entered my show in Hitchin, which is near High Wycombe. Yeah. And it is strange to hear you talking about the places, you know, you know, San Juan and uh, Spanish yeah. Harlem yeah. and Da Nang, Vietnam, and then High Wycombe. <laughs> <laughs> just it feels really strange. I, st I still haven't <laughs> haven't haven't mentioned Yugoslavia. Oh my god, <laughs> Yugoslavia. Anyway, I I entered this this show in Hitchin, and uh, I you got you call up the secretary, yeah. any secretary, and the secretary sends you the entry form. You fill in the entry form and send it back to that secretary. Yeah. Well, uh, with the money. It so happened I didn't know where Hitchin was. Yeah. So I called the secretary up, and it so happened that that secretary was a lady by the name of Joyce Collis. Yes. Right? And Joyce Collis is my present wife. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she was married. I was married. Yeah. Right. To other and people. To other people. Yeah. And I, um, I called her up, and she was. Like most of the typical British people that I, I spoke with uh, in 1967, mm. 68, uh, they just loved the American. Yeah. And she was very friendly. Yeah. And there that she told me how to get to the show. And yeah. the day of the show, I came with my wife and, and my two girls. Yeah. And I had a young boy, and he was more interested in, in uh, football. So he stayed. With another friend of his yeah. and his mother, playing, you know, they, they went to football games, mm. playing football, and um, she greeted, Joyce greeted me at the 
with my family, very friendly and everything. And yeah. on the day, I got a third. Got a third. Yeah. And uh, you still get a rosette, though, for a third. Yeah, you got a you got a, a yellow rosette. Yeah. And that was the that was the the last I knew. I never contacted this lady again. Yeah. Until many, many, many years later. And then uh, I'd go to all the shows, and uh, I got better and better and better, and uh, I started handling dogs for other people, right. you know, friends and that. Yeah. And um, as I was showing their dogs, showing their dogs for, for, for right. right. And uh, three years I did this with dogs for three years. Yeah. And then I went back to the states with, with my family. Yeah. And then I got a job selling cars. I was only the only black salesman there. Mm. All of the others were either Irish or Italian. Yeah. I felt so energetic and so gun ho yeah. that I wanted to sell my mother a car. <laughs> and my mother didn't drive. <laughs> anyway, um, and what I did was it was four salesmen. Well, I worked at a place called V Motors yeah. in Middletown, New York, the Ford dealership. So you worked for the Ford dealership yeah. and were amongst four other? Four other, uh, no, three, three others. Yeah. Because four of us. Yeah, and this is early 70s. Uh, 72. Yeah. And um, we had a manager, and he was from New Jersey. And we had a, um, the owner had a son, yeah. tall guy. And he was the general manager. Mm. His name was Mike. It's always the way. Mike Botti. Yeah. B O T T I. Mm. And this is the truth. I left in 1976. Yeah. To come to England, and I received a letter last year from Mike Botti, 41 or 42 years of age. Wow. And he used he in his letter. I can let you read that letter. I still have it. He thought that much of me of mm. my methods selling cars, that he used my system to the new salesman after I left. Wow. I came into the dealership. I, it made me feel so proud. Yeah. And uh, he used that system. And the system that I used was, if you wanted to buy a car, I would get her phone number first. Yeah. Her date of birth. And then his phone number. And on her date of birth, came, say it was July, in July I would send her I would send her a uh, birthday card. Yeah. Christmas, I sent her a Christmas card. Valentine's Day, I sent her a Valentine's Day card. Yeah. Every holiday during the year, I would send it to him and her. Yeah. They would constantly, constantly, constantly have Felix Cosby in front of them. Yeah. Not by face, but by name. Yeah. So, and, and my theory is this, or was this, if someone in, the, in their family, yeah. they had a car and it broke down, who would they send? Who would they send them to buy a car from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. V Motors and Felix Cosman. Yeah, and that's simple as that. And if you and it worked, it did work. If you, I was selling, I was selling at times twenty-two and twenty-three cars a month. But cars. the other part, listen, Felix. The other part of the equation here mm. is it's not just reminding them of who you are. Yeah, you have to be a good guy too. And if you weren't a good guy, yeah. then they wouldn't have come back. And if you had children, across the road from, from B Motors was a place that they had 
They make donuts, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yes. And, and they called it Munchkins. Yeah. And you go in there and you say, they sell it by the dozen. I said, I have a dozen munch, Munchkins. Yeah. And it was cheap. And I would buy the Munchkins. Yeah. And when you came in with your two children, I'd have the bag open and I'd lay it on the desk. Yeah. And the kids would be on the side eating the Munchkins. Yeah. Right? And I'd be talking to you about the car. Yeah. You... You could go for a ride in the car, and you leave me with the two kids or mm. one, one child, and you come back. Or you take the kid, you take the bag with you. Yeah. No problem. And the kids, they liked it so much that they used to call me Mr. Munchkins. They used to tell their parents, are we going to go see Mr. Munchkins? In 1990, was I judge? Judge Croft, Junior Finals. You did Crofts? Yeah, I judged three times. Oh my God! I judged uh, the finals of the Junior Handling. Is that 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 must be for a dog for a judge? Yeah. That must be the, the pinnacle. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I I would never excel to get there, but I I judge. Listen, I think once you once yeah. you're a judge at Crofts, you've, yeah. you've you've hit the top of your game. I judge your finals there. And um, then in 87, I got to judge the uh, championship show. Mm. So I judged Crofts of Theatre College. Yeah. I judged Crofts in, uh, in Border College. So um, it was, and, and I, got, I got to be, I don't want to say famous, but I got to be now well known in, in junior handling. So, Felix, I've, I think you've had one of the most full lives I've ever heard. Of all the people I've spoken to, it's crazy. You start in San Juan, you then go to Spanish Harlem, you then join the Navy, you go all over the world, Singapore, you serve in Vietnam, that thing with the snakes is going to terrify me tonight and I'll have nightmares, thanks. Um, <laughs> and then you, you become an expert dog judge. You, you, you bring out a book in it and you, you, you become a judge at Crofts. It's amazing. I have been blessed. I have been blessed. Yeah, I think so. That was Felix Cosme. What a lovely bloke. And I did make a mistake. It was actually two books that he's written on dog training for juniors and not just one. Bad Christian, on your rug, dirty boy. Uh, as, you'll have <laughs> as you'll have just heard, this podcast is about sharing some fantastic life stories. But there are well over a million chronically lonely people in the UK who have no one to share their stories with, especially over Christmas and New Year. If you'd like to know more about ways to change this, then please go online and visit campaigntoendloneliness.org and find out how together we can try to make loneliness a thing of the past. Thanks again to Felix Cosme, and also thanks to Acast for hosting the show. See you next time. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.